All right, everyone. Happy New Year. I hope everyone did. Yeah, I hope everyone has enjoyed the New Year so far. We're only a week in, but things are moving quickly already. It's January 9th as we record this episode. And man, first off, George, it's been a little while. How have you been? I'm doing quite well. All the new stuff that's coming for 2024. I've been extremely busy on all the new tools. Mm, little foreshadowing there. You got some pretty exciting things coming up here in 2024. Anything, yes, in, the ar- anything in the archery side? Uh, I can say you can say it's archery too. I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna have two new versions of the string surfing jig coming out for 2024, and the entire series of the metal fi- lighted fine arc. Mm. Yes, metal lighted fine arc or crossbows. Yes, because see the speed is too fast. The plastic ain't gonna cut it. Yeah, is there any advantage? Like, would you ever consider doing that for a compound bow? Would there be any reason to no, do that? No, absolutely zero advantage. Because the metal do not help. And like a lot of people try the metal knock, it actually degrade the, all the best. Just like, what's the benefit of a metal tires over good rubber tires? Sure. Yeah, kind of extreme. You're right. I mean, was this metal tires going to be great? Yes, for trains and trams. Yeah. Same deal. Yeah. But those are restricted. You need to have a rail and track. What does compound or crossbow have? Rail and track. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Well, that kind of um, that kind of leads us into the topic I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the two extremes. There are yes. cases where um, people want to go super heavy, but is there a too heavy? Or people want to go super fast, but is there a too fast? And then what's the pros and cons to that? So I think that's going to be the topic for today. Yep, I think that's a good topic. But I think a lot of people misunderstood the heavy and light on arrows. That was a, a, a totally wrong discussion because it's not about weight. It's where the weight is. Sure. This is, uh, in other words, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll put you, uh, I'll use a car as a, as a discussion point because most people own cars and they know what it is. I mean, a, a regular bow is like a force, like a basic four cylinder, 1.6 liter. How big a car you think you want to do with, and how much stuff you want to carry with it? Right. That's the that's the reason I would say if you do compound bow, the maximum weight of an arrow that's the limitation, and the weight and where the weight is like every front of center, uh, distribute the weight over the entire thing. They all have merit. Don't get me wrong. Every one of them merit. The fact is that what do you want to do with it? Sure. In other words. If you sh- like one of my good uh, pro staff, Debbie, who shoot in uh, uh, Central, you know, uh, out of you know University, which is uh, out of Champaign, her shots are never over thirty feet, maybe forty feet. For her, then it's not important. FOC, everything is because see, she need to go through those early season leaves because you can't even cut a leaf in those area. It is under uh, Champaign Urbana, part of the you know University's campus ground. You are not allowed to cut, tear, or anything. You go in, you shoot, you walk out. Hmm. So if you've got a deer, what's the chance of all the leaves in front of you? Yeah, so you good. need that super heavy FOC to go forward. You, she shoot a 400 spine arrow. Her, her shaft is only what? She's putting 60 pounds, if that much. But her FOC is close to 20%. Wow. But she's never shooting far. 
And so, she's got it. Mm-hmm. So the limitation to um, the heavy FOC arrow is distance in your mind. Not just distance. Not just distance. Uh, it also depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Because he, she is not shooting. She is not based on flying. She behaved like, uh, for her, the moment they shoot the arrow, the entire shot flex like crazy. But because of the heavy FOC, it's going to go forward. In other words, it's technically a sling ball with 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 the tail. Mm-hmm. And if she encounter a leaf or a tiny twig, it's still going to go forward pretty much the same way. Because the directional force is so extreme. Sure. So she's technically not shooting an arrow. She, she is shooting a big, heavy broadhead. Yeah. With a tail on it. Yep. But if you want to shoot far, like if you imagine you have a low poundage, heavy FOC arrow, the moment you shoot it, all the ways in the front, your spine is going to, because of the momentum in the front, the arrow shaft is going to break down very fast. And if you put, say, four vein, big things on it, the entire turbulence and drag is going to go crazy. But then you shoot at that condition, you, you're not shooting fast. No, yeah. If you're not shooting fast, aerodynamic does not become unimportant. I mean, which, of course, the opposite extreme, like you're shooting in a Raven R500. I find out the absolute best way to shoot those those bow, those crossbows with 500 feet per second is actually dealing with a super heavy shaft. With is, a that to light slow it da- is that to slow it down a little bit? Not just that. You, you, uh, you, you need that shaft to so, overcome the, the power. Yeah. Because see, that Raven bow also have a short power stroke. In an extreme, extreme axle to axle, we're talking when you fully cocked it, you're looking at about three and a half, four inch axle to axle. <laughs> so the, the the chaos that that arrow re, um, lives is just, asserted. Yeah, it's just so much. Right, and that's the reason you know when you got a heavy arrow, you're using the entire arrow like a train. So the moment the train goes on, the arrow will have all the power without the arrow suffering. From all the chaos, the arrow going to flex. No, it's not going to do that. Right. Which, which we find out that what the best result with that is indeed the arrow concept two point on the arrow both on the arrow both three. Sure, it's just phenomenal. I mean, can you do it cheaper? Yeah, of course. My dealers find out that using a hundred and twenty five green points with a hundred and twenty five green uh, uh, inserts on a hundred eighty spine shaft works reasonably well. But you're looking at arrow that's twenty inch. Yeah, right. There's So let's do this. Let's let's go down through a couple um scenarios and then we'll talk about like what's the highest extreme and what's the low extreme. So let's take a guy that's shooting a compound bow and he has a average 28-inch draw weight and he's pulling 70 pounds. This guy wants to shoot a 650 grain arrow. And Well, how far you want to shoot? That's the first question. Yeah, so let's say 30 yards and in. Well, that's not a too bad of a situation if he shoots something like a, a, a Carbon Express Power Dry Extreme. That shaft uh, or the uh, something like the Carbon Tech Rhino. Now you've got an 11 to 12 grain per inch arrow. So that that's mass reasonable. is distributed. Correct. And second, uh, depends on how you want to do the arrow. If you want to put a super heavy FOC, in, FOC setup, like one or two 175 grain point going with the say 150 grain insert, he's going to have a lot of problems because uh, the spine etching of his shot becomes so critical because oh, yeah. the arrow is going to flex like you'd never believe. Yep. 
And at 30 yards, his accuracy is going to be significantly suffered unless he spine index every one of them. And not to mention because of that, with that kind of poundage and that draw weight, he's, he's, they should say 28 inches. So the arrow would be more like a 27, which is still a little bit better. Of course, if you shoot like a, a, 30 a inch check with a 30 inch, yeah. then he's really screwed yeah. because he won't have enough spine to help him. And that's the reason, you know, the MMT and the NIS, you all have the 250 spine for that exact reason, even with the arrow concept in it. Oh, yeah. So is there a scenario where is is it the, the distance that changes that makes that arrow set up work or is that just never a good option? Well, I mean, if you look enough YouTube on the last season, you notice a lot of 29-inch guy with a 70-pound bow Hoyt on a 166 shooting at a Florida Georgia deer. It go in at six inches and stopped. Yeah, that's no good. And it's under 20 yards. Why? The arrow have not recovered. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting so that the, perpendicular impact. Correct. Because at the moment you shoot it, the vector of the direction of the broadhead and, and the residual flex of the shaft cause the arrow not to go forward. Okay, so let's take someone that wants a heavier arrow and then they have they want that mass distributed, so they use a, just a overall heavier GPI arrow. Now mm-hmm. the downside becomes speed and trajectory. Correct. Speed and trajectory is one of the one of the things that you, with the new modern compound bow you have. If you ever talk to anybody from Matthew or Hoyt, who sh- who tell you in today's compound bow, seventy pound, thirty inch draw, the ideal weight, ideal is under four hundred grain, hmm. more like a three eighty five, three seventy five. Closer to IBO. Yes, because you get all the performance. The question is, that what 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 is the word performance mean? See, a lot of people don't understand when you say performance. Like, is the F-150 performance better than a Civic? So the word is, what, what does performance mean to you? Yeah, yeah, what are you looking for? Are you looking for speed, pickup speed? Are you looking for whole speed? Are you looking for pickup space? I mean, yes. I mean, you can imagine this. You, you pull a fourth F-150 EcoBoost, four-cylinder engine, and put it in, a, say, a Honda Civic. You're going to get performance. But the frame is not giving you the performance. How are you going to haul some two-by-six yeah, or, some, or, <laughs> or some drywalls? You're not going to do that. Yeah. So the design, I mean, when you get a bow, remember, it's like when you get a bow, it's like getting an engine, okay? You think about with this engine, you need to think about the, the the performance, your ideal. What do you get out of it? Because the word performance is so misunderstood by everybody. Oh, I want penetration. In what form? Yeah. Because if you just like the or the, the video we saw on YouTube, I mean, you got 70 pound, 30 inch, uh, 29 inch draw with the 166 with the say, 125 grain point. How can you not penetrate? do a full pass through on a 125 pound whitetail. It's impossible. I know a, th- <laughs> I know a 40 pound, a, th- a 40 pound bow, even metal Genesis will go through and think about it. Those guys didn't. I mean, that's enough video on the internet. You can see it yourself. Yeah. I'll say, how can you not? You didn't hit bone. I mean, if you hit bone, you're talking Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, North Carolina, whitetail. Their bones are soft. <laughs> yeah. They're not very big. That's not a very large structured animal. Right, and, and the meat is soft. I mean, you can, t- I mean, 
I will give you another example. So like I got a whole bunch of customers call me with a Raven R29X. The group of guys shoot 12 animal recover four. Well, they shot 12 and recovered four. Yes. And they all shoot rage hmm. with the R29X. All shooting the original Raven arrows and so on. They call me. You see, what's wrong with it? Can you explain to me? Is it very easy? You have so much power. You have so much speed. The animal is soft. The range never got a chance to open. You already passed. Yeah. <laughs> so they poked every single animal with a fuel point. And if you yeah. do not poke exactly like the like the heart, you say you poke a hole in the lung, the animal will walk away and there's no blood and you're not going to find it. Right. Um. So with, with the 385 grain arrow on that setup closest to IBO speeds, in my mind, there's some downsides for a regular Joe Archer that may not have the best form or may not know how to be super consistent with their anchor points. When you introduce, like you talk about all the time, when you when you get above 280, 290, mm-hmm. everything comes into play. So if you're torquing the bow differently each shot or you're not perfectly dialed in, there are some downsides to being fast too. Absolutely. And that's the reason for most of the customers who come to me, if you know this, the basic arrow weave or, or the arrow I help you guys design, on a 29-inch arrow, it's going to be about 425, 430. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because it is the sweet spot. Yeah, It's not the highest performance, but you give the highest penetration early. That means your average job after, after you buy the MMTs or the NIS, you find out your penetration is just better. Well, even on the same identical weight arrow in short range or long range, both. Yep. I mean, you can't deny you guys shoot enough, you sell enough. Your customer tell you enough. So it's not just me talking. We got at least close to two years to proof. <laughs> yeah, and so that's ha- that has been a lot of the feedback too. It's like, man, these shoot better than anything I've shot or these are more consistent than anything I've shot. And um, with that, I think my... My builds come out to be around 450, 435 mm-hmm. to 450 for my personal setup. And that puts me around 279 feet per second at the launch. So I'm like mm-hmm. right on the teeter. But I don't, as an art, as a bow hunter first, I don't have mm-hmm. to be super, super dialed in with my form. My arrow isn't going to be doing all kinds of crazy things because I'm just mm-hmm. quite, I'm just not that good of an archer. Mm-hmm. To be just so you know, among all my friends, uh, except uh, except uh, uh, Jason Wilkins out of Black Eagle, the best shooter I know is Dave, Dave Murray. Really? Yes, he that guy who performs so freaking good. Except he's a heavy machine operator. I don't know how he did it, but he just did the best so far. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um... I think if I tried, so I drew an elk tag this year and Mm -hmm. I'm contemplating like, do I try to get a little bit lighter with my arrow to have a better trajectory? There's guys that hunt with Chad that are shooting like 360 grain, 370 grain arrows at Mm -hmm. bull elk. And I'm in, in my mind, I'm like, I don't know if I could do that. Well, just put it this way. And all the the elk is a softer animal. (laughs) All North American animals are soft in terms of texture, okay? Sure. If you're shooting a kudu, no. 
No, yeah, bounce off. If you if you shoot things like a giraffe, oh my god, <laughs> you better have nine hundred gray. <laughs> I mean, because you need slug power. Yeah, but the animal is so soft. I mean, to be fair, every single deer is softer than a cow. I didn't. I mean, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, the cow is actually a tougher animal. To be fair, if you want to look at the toughest animal to shoot in North America, it's the pig. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially those five hundred plus pound pig; those are tough, tough, tough animals. And that's what uh, that's what Troy always uses for his examples: a five hundred pound pig. Oh, he did. I did not know him. <laughs> but you know, uh, my customers in Texas tell me that. As a matter yeah. of fact, I, I one customer with me who shoots golf football, he have to have to do the impossible. He shot three pigs with one arrow, go right through all three. <laughs> It's still, the, it's, it's still on the it's still on the on the YouTube. You can find it. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's 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 impressive. So, um, with a cross with a crossbow, are there disadvantages to being too slow, other than speed and no. trajectory? Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. Because see, with the crossbow nowadays. You notice all crossbow have a certain speed. Right now, you can you you it's impossible to buy a crossbow under three thirty. Yeah. So, in other words, aerodynamic is key. Okay, if aerodynamic is key, then you know exactly where the problem is: your aerodynamics and the product behavior. Yeah, I think it's a little bit. Maybe it's a little bit simpler with because there's no form changes with a crossbow. Correct. Your your form are always perfect. Second, your launch cycle is perfect. Third. Your arrow is a lot shorter. Oh yeah, that helps a lot too. Yeah, correct. I mean, look at it. If you find out some of the super high power crossbow, like the Raven Out twenty twenty six six or the Out five X, you could have shoot a lot better with a twenty, uh, the eighteen inch arrow shot, because you minimize the flex. Yeah, then the arrow concept in there. Yeah, then the arrow really behaves so well. The recovery time now you're looking at less than nine feet. Okay, so say. On the other extreme, you're shooting 550 feet per second. Is there a downside to that? That itself is where we find I find out a lot. Like when we first shoot, the knock engagement to the bow design and how the bow actually behaves with the knock have more to do with everything. Sure. Not just the weight of the arrow. Yeah. Um, and since we're here, we just talk about, I will give you a, a really... This is an absolute key to shoot crossbows. You with today's crossbow, you want to knock that absolute grab onto the string. This is where the difference is. You need to look at the crossbow design. If the crossbow have a full rail, the knot need to clip onto the string and be loose. Now, if you shoot something like the Raven, which do not have a rail, or like the new Ten Point that do not have the rail, or like the Scopper Death Stalker that the rail is plowed, that means the arrow can move inside the rail. The knot to the string must be tight. So that when the string moves, the knot will move the string. Now, why is it like that? Now, if your knot is tight on the string on the full rail crossbow, now you are fighting, the because when you launch the arrow, the, the limb and the cam and the strings are never perfectly synced. When I say the word perfectly, that means they're off by three by 30 to 50,000. What does that mean to the arrow? The arrow be pulled left and right over again and again on the rail, which now suffers on accuracy. 
But when you don't have that, like the Raven, like the 10 point, the only thing that holding the arrow true is the string because there's no rail to guide it. Mm-hmm. That's the reason when you, when you look at a crossbow knot, you need to think about, okay, do I have a full rail? If I don't, I need to, if I do have a full rail, the knot to the string must, the string must be able to move inside the knot so that the cam and the limb will not affect the launch cycle. The arrow will be guided by the rail, which makes it so good. Correct. Then at the same time, you're looking at, if you have no rail, or uh, you now need the knot to hold onto the string so tight, it's able to launch correctly. That makes a lot of sense. Now, see, this is also a problem with vertical ball. Remember, vertical ball, the engagement is 100% relying on the string yep. and the error rest. Mm-hmm. Now, see, a lot of people say, correct, a lot of people try to go with, say, drop the error rest earlier, okay? That's not good. You know why it's not good? Because now your form is 100% reliant. Your accuracy is 100% reliant on your form. So people say, oh, I will drop the error rest faster so that the error rest is not affecting the error flight. Mm-hmm. That's where that's the same thing with lighter arrow and heavy arrow. Heavy arrow, you support it longer. Light arrow, you support it less. But then the engagement of the arrow and how the arrow angle to the string and how you relax the string, when, when the arrow relax from the string and not the launch. Well, you say, yeah, you can move the bow hand and then the, the, the air rest drop away. Yes, the air rest dropped it away. But remember, you're still holding the bow. The yeah. knot is still on the string. <laughs> and that, that'll so another way, you, a lot more. Yeah, in other words, you're masking a problem with less mm-hmm. obvious problem. Yeah. Because only one point, you're, you're not masking two, you're masking one. But the fact is that you're still there. Yeah, you just have to, I guess you have to battle which, which problem's worse. <laughs> Well, in most cases, I mean, for all the kids I teach, and I usually tell them, use my air rest. You suffer from it, but you gain from it. Because, see, the air rest will show you any single minor movement you show because instantly show on target. Because the contact point is so small. But then they will see where the problem is and improve dramatically. If they can shoot well with air rest, they're going to, it's so easy because their form is going to be perfect. Yeah. I've always, I've wanted to try that. I'm just, scared because my my form is not good yeah exactly a lot of people use this oh my god how can i be shooting so bad i say because you're not good holding the bow right a lot of customer like the one who shoot the rx7 the, the, the hoyt or any uh, binary cam bows i tell them don't use my rs i mean from what i can see you you stick with the if for most people especially for a lot of vertical bow travel vertical not travel bows I just say, get a whisker biscuit. No, I know a lot of people think that I was joking. No, I'm not. Because whisker biscuit design is really, really very good. It will mask so much problem. If the guy's just sitting got, I, I got a few days to hunt. I need the boat to set up and able to kill a deer. Go for it. You buy extra expensive stuff, you're just putting a hole in your in your entire... You're taking a hole so deep, you may not be able to climb out. Sure. Is a, I've never shot a whisker biscuit. Is, is a whisker biscuit... Um... Using a whisker biscuit, is it harder to tune your arrow? No. It actually make because a whisker biscuit is so forgiving, you'll let you able to shoot without too much effort. Hmm. Okay. So And, and furthermore, it's cheap. Now yeah. don't go with those three brush brushes, those do not work. 
the whole idea of whisker biscuits is sort is it ends encompass the entire arrow. So just in case your lawn cycle is not white, the bristle will push you back into the center in the entire lawn cycle. Hmm. So I want to back up a couple steps there. You no, mentioned... no, that actually go back into the arrow. An arrow light, heavy and light that actually go help a lot. Yeah, I want to go one, real quick though. Uh, just want to define something. You mentioned vertical knock travel. There's horizontal mm-hmm. knock travel. What exactly is knock travel? Knock travel is that if you imagine you put a laser line, straight line, from your arrow, from your arrow rest, all the way to when you launch the arrow. Now you draw a straight line to it. When you launch the arrow, the horizontal knock travel is that that should be a straight line from the point you launch all the way to the front and arrow move forward. Am I right? Yep. So what happens if you've got a binary cam? That means when you launch it, the knot is going to move uh, based on binding cramp, say you've got a left-hand shooter. You move to the right first, and you move back to the left until you go forward. Because of binary cam, the cam is going to lean. The entire shaft, entire cam and string is going to move left and right. That whole process of leaning and moving is called the horizontal knot travel. Okay. Now, of course, there's also called vertical knot travel because the, unless your cam is 100% perfectly synced, and your knot is truly in the center, which is not. Because most bow, the launch point of your bow is a little bit off-center to the higher point. Because if you remeasure your bow, your grip, just under your grip is the center, but your arrow is above that. Okay, yeah. So in other words, when you have the two cams, they have to adjust the cam somewhat to accommodate that. But doing that process depends on the adjustment that knot is not traveling straight. It's traveling a little bit up and then a little bit down and then center and out. Especially with Hoyt, they like to advance the upper cam, which will put you down pressure on the arrow. Now you've got pressure from the upper cam to push the arrow down. Now that whole up and down process is called, called vertical knot travel. And in case of, uh, of some of the more advanced Hoyt, like the RX-7, which I have seen, they have horizontal and vertical knot travel, quite a bit of it. Which yeah. means that you got to be a lot more demanding on the arrow tuning. Mm-hmm. I mean, just be, just be fair, nearly all modern bows are like that. I would say Matthew is one of the few that have least amount. But then you're not talking about speed. Side by side, a lot of companies are a whole lot faster when you start launching Heavy arrows. Yeah. Yep. So does is the does the weight of the arrow, say a heavier arrow, have less knock travel? No. Nope. The knock travel is a knock travel. It doesn't matter. I mean just like the knock travel are the tracks of how that bow is gonna behave. Okay. Only the thing is that what is the effect? In mm-hmm. other words, you've got a lot of knock travel, there's two ways to do it. You increase the spine to offset it. Or you decrease the fine to stop it. Oh, I see. Okay. See that that, that those two are both will work. That's the reason the truth is something called optimization. So none of them are true because they, oh, I, this arrow is tuned perfectly with this. You put a bridle on it; it's not right anymore. That's the story for a lot of people. <laughs> it is, but see, people don't think through it, and they just think, okay, uh, this is well, all my friends should this is the best. For him or her, yes, not for you, especially when you didn't practice enough. Because he, 
in most cases, you can shoot a really bad bow with a really bad arrow. You will shoot it enough. You will know how it's going to behave. Then you use the knowledge of behavior of the arrow. Then you can kill some stuff. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's go back to the the extremes. So mm-hmm. with a with the average bow hunter, the average North American bow hunter, just go ahead and give me a pro and con list to okay, sure. each one. The light arrow, which I personally like, and another IBO arrow, you get absolutely flattened trajectory. But you demand, the demand is your bow holding hand is perfect. Your form has to be perfect. But then when you start shooting a system like that, you usually will shooting a much lighter setup, which means that your target acquisition speed will be fast. You don't have to wait for a deer to stop. You can pull the bow ahead. Like me, I never whistle or look at the deer when I shoot it, when it's running. What I do is that I will put my bow in front of the deer. The moment the deer passes the window, I fire. I know a lot of people don't do that, but I feel like that is more natural for me because see, Usually, in most cases, when I, I when the younger days, when I yell at a deer, the deer usually see my blob and they just run. It's <laughs> <up>, stop. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I like the arrow also have, uh, this is all, the book of course, the trajectory, the distance, the target acquisition, and the release is all so much faster. But the downside, the downside is that the forgiveness is not there. Mm-hmm. But then, when you start shooting, it's like, like me when I'm shooting my, uh, uh, my Expedition Eccentric SE, the one that you hold, when it was fully tuned at the time, but 2016, it's shooting 355. Wow. But the downside is that your broadhead, your arrow spine, your vein, they all had to be just right. I yeah. mean, just like anything with speed. I mean, just like if you're driving 100 and something miles per hour, which tire can you be off balance? You won't even make it. Mm-hmm. But in some people who don't know better, they keep on trying to think you'll make it. No, you won't. Maybe closer distance, but the more the distance increases, it suffers. Yeah. And then the people say, well, if you shoot such a light arrow, we will not penetrate. Answer is that you have just nothing to do with penetration. Because every single day I will blow right through it. I mean, it's, it's, it's no way it will go halfway. <laughs> I mean, it has not happened. It only, I mean, every single day I shot, it go right, right through. Yeah. Because I always shoot a lower FOC, that means the arrow recover faster through my entire archery life. I started with Beeman Hunters, so you can see. But then, somewhere along the line, people start going heavy arrow. Heavy arrow is not wrong because see, I talked to Rick McKinney, who the guy who own, uh, I believe he still own Carbon Tech. Heavy arrow is great but not heavy FOC. Heavy FOC is fantastic if you shoot a recurve, not any modern compound. You actually take a hole so deep, you hope you never started. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I know I'm, I'm the offensive buddy, but I'm telling you the truth. If you shoot heavy FOC, you want long distance. Yes, the, the worst part is that if you shoot FO, heavy FOC, the worst distance you can kill a deer is, is from zero to 23 yards. Technically, won't because of the recovery. Yes, I mean, if you're able to judge your distance and so on, you have heavy FOC and you're shooting low speed and you're shooting 50, 60, 70 yards. That is those three conditions. You know exactly how your pain is going to drop. 
because you go long distance, your parabola is so much deeper. Okay? You'll find out your slug force is higher. That's absolute. Those are your benefits. But then if the deer move and the arrow is much slower. Oh, yeah. Much slower. Mm-hmm. And then in cases of you shooting a blazer or whatever, the arrow is a lot louder because you've got more fluttering on the veins. Because of the back of the arrows trying to recover. Correct. And they will keep, keep on going. Because remember, heavy FOC arrow, the tail never, never, ever stabilized. The vein will always flutter. Because so what, you're using the suck force to pull it. So take a, whatever the weight of that arrow is at 20% FOC. Take that weight and distribute it and have that arrow have 8% FOC. Now that will cause another set of problems because most people don't have a good form. And 8% FOC will cause people who would have accuracy problem because the holding hand is just not that great. Mm-hmm. I mean, in today's world, that actually makes it worse. You know why? Because mm-hmm. everybody is shooting out a saddle. What is stable on a saddle? I, don't, I think it's pretty, pretty stable. Right. You're holding your hand and you're leaning your body out. That is more than a few points your body is moving that you don't do when you're practicing. If you practice on a saddle, absolutely. But who practice on a saddle when they practice? I do. You're going to must. I mean, if I mean, that's good. I mean, just like when I first started, one of the things I get from one of my good buddy L is that if you want to shoot deer, shoot it out of the roof or out of the second story. Because that's where you need to practice the angle. Yep. But then, the, for me on the tree stand, I learned how to stand on my tree stand the right way and have the right form. But when you shoot out of saddle, you need to practice out of the saddle. Yeah. Because your launch cycle with a heavy FOC, again, it's going to be a lot more forgiving than you shooting a high speed arrow, which is lighter arrows. No, I'm so yeah, but I'm saying like, take a arrow that's. 650 grains but mm-hmm. the foc of that arrow is 20 percent, mm-hmm. and then take a 650 grain arrow that the foc is eight percent mm-hmm. which arrow performs better none both perform not good because see with the 20 percent foc you your, your close range is going to be not good your penetration will suffer and then with the low foc 600 grain your speed is going to be very low. But then your form is going to be critical. Any misform that, you're going to miss the target altogether. Even because with the you heavier don't, arrow. Right. Because your directional direction, your, your launch directional control is gone. Mm-hmm. So again, it's, when you go extreme, you end up with extreme. Yep. If you're able to, but see, in archery, that was one thing that people always are, but I should scoot with that. Because you train yourself to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got a customer sitting in my office. His form was so freaking weird. I'm not sure I can ever shoot it. I say, why are you holding a bow like that? He say, football injury. Uh, his form is no good, but he shot it because he knows how to work with it. Mm-hmm. And after you work with the injury for the last five, ten years, and with the bow, I say, you say, every time I got a new bow, I suffer for at least six a season. I say exactly because <laughs> he has to learn. You need together. to work. Yeah, you have to learn the whole bow and find a way to to work with it. Yeah, if that fits, if the shoe fits, that's what they say. No, the shoe don't just fit. You need to work with it until you feel good. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the fact is that people who shoot heavy FOC or light or light FOC, if they shoot it enough, they will make it work. Mm-hmm. But you see, the most optimum answer is no. Yeah. Because yeah, you, so you, that's you the yourself. word. That's the key word. Optimum. Optimization. So mm-hmm. what is optimum? Now, that depends on what bow you shoot and what you desire. In my personal opinion, if for that's the reason I designed the LNT and I asked for you for it's about 425 to 250 grain, mm-hmm. and you'll be shooting around 260 to 280. Yep. So, if you say you want the performance again, performance the word, I would define it as speed, forgiveness, and penetration. If you optimize all three, 270 to 290 will give you the best with aerovane. The moment you drop the speed, and remember, the speed is not just the launch speed. It's how yeah. fast you decelerate. Yep. If you put four vane helical on it, you decelerate significantly faster. Because you have better drive. directional con- You have that better directional control. And because you're shooting 70 pounds or like the guy with the 250 spine, your control of that shaft is a lot faster. Mm-hmm. So your penetration is easier. Not sure. your penetration is is uh, is easier, and then your forgiveness is go up. For most of the twenty to forty year guy, I told them, don't go with speed, go with forgiveness. If you really want speed, you need to put the time in it to get it. Yep. The time is not just simply tuning the bow. The time is that you need to feed yourself to the bow. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness in what aspect? That means just uh, when you put a bow back and how well the bow fits to you. And when you launch it, how confident you have for it because it comes with time. Yeah. I mean, let me just give you another example. I just got what, two guys coming to me uh, two weeks ago. They say they didn't do well in the season. I told them to do one thing. Pull the bow back with your eyes closed. Anchor the way you want to. Open your eyes. Guess what? See None of their eyes is on the flip side. So every time they pull the bow back, they fight it. And they and one shoot Hoyt, one shoot uh, Athens. They all speed bows. Yeah. And they are fighting the geometry of the bow. They have really got enough horizontal and vertical not travel. Now they're fighting their form. <laughs> they are screwed by the get-go. Mm-hmm. And I get them out of there. Uh, one guy was shooting the uh, full metal jacket. The other guy was shooting the Maxima, the, the 244. And I say, yeah. The, the reason the full metal jacket worked better because the arrow responds slower. Oh, okay. And the maxima responds faster. So the full metal jacket is more forgiving. Mm-hmm. But the full metal jacket gives the other guy the flatness that he wanted. No, no, sorry. The the, the maxima give me the flatness he wanted. The flatness yeah. of the trajectory. Yeah. So who is better? Answer is that they both sort of work with it, but because of the behavior of the shooter, they go the opposite of what they should have done. Mm-hmm. So I swap the arrows. <laughs> <laughs> and say, oh my God, you should so much better. I say, yeah, with the behavior you have. Because the other guy was very That's aggressive draw and aggressive in, in, in uh, acquisition, the, the full manager is better for him. Yeah, okay. The metal is, the air is slower. Yeah. The other guy take the time and his form is reasonably well. After I adjust the side, the maximum become better. They're both the same length. That's interesting. Of course, they, I mean, it's like a lot of times people say, what's the best? I say, you need to work with a person. Just like from one bowl company to another bowl company, the entire draw cycle, 
behavior with the person's expectation of performance. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason, you know, when, when you go to a bow shop and only sell one brand, you really don't have a choice. But then you go to a bow shop, you sell multiple brands. You say, we sell all the brands. What would you like? Now, I think a lot of times, you know, I really think a true pro shop need to sort of like spend at least half an hour with a customer to get to know them. Okay, you should this bow, you should this bow in your life. How do you like it? What do you like and not like it? And most important, the, I don't know how many times I saw the guy come here with a bow and the peep side is not even right. Mm-hmm. It's not the natural. So they are fighting every time they put a bow back. Yeah, that's full. I, I think that it all starts there. Like that has to be right. Your form and the way the bow fits you has to be right. That's number You're one. Right. The bow had to fit you. Yep. Oh, gosh. I just, I mean, then the rest of the arrow length and sight is personality. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the beauty of archery. There's so many ways to do the same thing. I can tell you what I believe is the best. Am I the only guy? No, it was my behavior, my thinking process. Mm-hmm. And just like I always say, every single row go to Rome. Yeah. Is any row bad? Yeah, that sure is a few one. And I know I, I, I walk into a few. <laughs> <laughs> I fall down in the deep cliff a few times too. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think maybe instead of shooting for an a certain arrow weight or shooting a certain arrow or whatever that people should maybe strive for just being in a certain feet per second. Well, in today's world, based on a lot of people's behavior, if you want me to save a number, 275 feet per second is ideal for most people. Because anytime, just like when, when, when you drive, you notice we also set ourselves at 70 miles per hour and that's pretty much what it is. Because mm-hmm. anything above it, you're going to use more gas. Anything below that, you feel slow. So yeah. that's the reason the highway is 70, 75. I mean, of course, you pass this. I mean, if you drove an F-150 passing Nebraska, you're going to be at 80. And you know your gas miles per gallon is going to go down real fast. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you did that a few times. I know that. <laughs> yeah. I did that with, I did that on a Honda Accord many, many, many times. When I was doing consulting for uh, school districts, oh gosh, those days. <laughs> yeah, I think that's. Um, I mean, every people go to those different extremes, and one thing that kind of stuck with me, and is the reason I wanted to have this conversation was when I talked to the Matthews engineer, Mark mm-hmm. Hayes. He talked mm-hmm. about like doing that test where they had the four hundred grain arrow the. the 600 grain arrow there's a 400 a 500 and a 600 grain arrow and he showed mm-hmm. what happened to each one and the 400 grain arrow was the most efficient arrow the mm-hmm. 600 grain arrow obviously had the most momentum but he mm-hmm. said the worst thing you could do was go in between those and i thought that was an interesting perspective because he was like now you have you're slow and you're not efficient mm-hmm. at least when you're super slow on this end you have a ton more momentum but he said in right. that sweet spot range was actually the worst spot to go. The reason he said that because he's dealing with an arrow do not arrow concept in it. Yeah, okay. That was that's the reason the arrow concept is such a how do I say a new concept. A a, a a breakthrough. I mean I know you don't like the word, but it's actually a game changer. <laughs> <laughs> because it changes the behavior of the arrow shaft altogether. Yeah. 
Because in the old days, you either, because see, with, with the super heavy, I would see now you got slug force and everything behind it. But you also suffer from the fluttering and so on. But you also slow the arrow down. Mm-hmm. When you go super fast with it, then the arrow, the arrow's launch cycle and the spine alignment, the form has to be important. But the arrow concept gives you all of them because it, it equalizes both ends. Yeah, maybe that's the, forgi- super... the built-in forgiveness. Correct, because if you shoot a super heavy FOC with arrow concept, well, guess what? The arrow didn't flex that much. That's the performance gain you want. Mm-hmm. With the super, super lightweight arrow, the arrow also do not flex that much. <laughs> they also give you the performance. And then with the arrow pointing, because the entire frontal part of the arrow no longer flex that much, mm-hmm. even when you're super light. Because it, it changes the parabola action. In other words, the magnitude of flex mm-hmm. and a directional of flex. That's the reason. Remember when the time that you come to me when you learn the spine alignment system? Mm-hmm. I told you this is the most critical part and not the strictness of the arrow. It's the spine alignment, the launch cycle. Yeah. I didn't just say it because I proved it. And Tony Warden with the data, we absolutely proved that. But then data is data. And it's not a good video. Just like if you can't read the data, I mean, just like I remember the days of Rosacatron when they when they come with two gigabyte data. I mean, the the, the other professor would do the shop. They are so excited to look at a whole bunch of numbers. Yeah, see what he stores because I have no concept what I'm looking at. Right. So that's the reason I want to do the podcast with you to at, at least explain so, what those numbers mean. I think it's helped because a lot unfortunately, of hmm? I think it's helped a lot. Yo, I, I sure hope so, because that was my intention. You know, me as a fine we don't advertise on anything, not social media, not not paper, not website, nothing. Because see, I really, this is my retirement gig, again. I just really want to educate people. I mean, I'm in my 60s, come on. I make my I make my money all, all my life. I'm not here to do that. That's the reason, yes, my stuff is never cheap, but good stuffs are never cheap. That's right. <laughs> because okay. they cost a lot to make. Yeah. Yeah, you get what you pay for in a sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I tune a lot with what you guys got. I mean, trust me, if you go and find a, 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 a the, the carbon fiber engineer to decide what you guys was using, you can't afford it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Remember how many how many times we go through to retune, 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 and I'm not happy with it. And every time retune, that costs money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, think of all the different molds you went through for your knocks. and No, not molds, different layer configurations. Oh, yeah. And I had to imagine what they do. And when you make it, remember, you don't just make one. Yeah. You know, because when you do a batch, you can't just say, oh, let me make three arrows. No. <laughs> you, you're lucky to get make 15 dozen to start with. Yeah. And then and you lay them correctly. <laughs> and, and then, oh, trust me, I, I mean, I got a bundle about this spec with all the different prototypes. But you know what? Every mistake, I learned something. Yeah. Yeah. That, and I, I just told you my to knowledge it. base. I just listened to a podcast today on my way um, back from my eye appointment. And it was, the podcast is called One Giant Mistake. It's a series called One Giant Mistake, and it's a, it's a deer hunting podcast. And the one guy said, there are no mistakes, just lessons learned. Correct. I remember this is another thing when I was going to business school. One of the things my professor, my professor had said, they shared that with me. Say when Lee Coca was told that his uh, vice president just make a million dollar mistake when to resign. You know what Lee Coca said? Did you learn from that? He said, yes. You wouldn't make that mistake again? No. And you, you now you tell me you just learned a million dollar mistake and you want to leave me? 
you better go ahead and make more money for me. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Now, that's, that's good. a good manager. Yeah. Oh, Dorge. So, um, anything mm-hmm. else? Anything else going on with you? Well, actually, I, I want to go back to the uh, to the arrow size and and so on. This year, um, I got a lot of customer asking me, Dorge. I really love the one six six. I just love the look of it, the feel of it. Can I make it right way? I say yes. As a matter of fact, if you absolutely want to, but you've got to take a lot of efforts. And uh, and I said, when you put an arrow concept in the one sixty with my arrow ulcered, you pretty much got everything you need. If you are a happy with the two hundred four, but you like the look of the one six six, that will give you the best balance. You end up with about ten to nine to twelve percent FOC. What's the what's your one six six way? Um, pretty much same as a two hundred four, like nine eight point seven eight point nine. Yeah, because remember, it's not just me. You can you can use this on anybody else. Because remember, I'm a component builder to start, not my arrows, and not to mention my arrow are using the one K stuff. Nobody need use one K four K. They, I mean, just like the the VAP, the the Goatee peers, and so on, all can use this exact configuration, and you will not believe the performance. It's like, I mean. If you go ahead and shoot, say, a rip, the RIP TKO204, and then shoot the RIP TKO with my arrow contact, it's already a two night and day. So I just pulled up your website here 10.5 grains per inch on the 166. Yeah, but remember, mine is four layers. Yeah, yeah. With the 1K. 1K. Those material wise is, I mean, that's the reason they are so freaking expensive because they're using 1K, 4K. But they're a badass arrow. They are. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, if you do not have the right equipment, you can't use them. They are. I, I remember the when you got the prototypes of those. Maybe it wasn't a prototype. Maybe it was a production run. But you were showing how fast they recovered. Pretty impressive. Yes, they they recover so freaking fast, and especially when you put an arrow concept and arrows uh, and the arrow outside on it. And of course, I do think that with the arrow, I would definitely use my stamp system. Yeah. <laughs> Do you still but you know? Have, mm-hmm. Do you still have the two hundred fours in two different weights? Yes, I do because you you can't be the two hundred four heavy for pegs, especially the guy who shoot all year long with pegs. Those are just fun to shoot, and they make it supremely forgiving. You are looking at a 550 grain arrow. You just shoot all day. It's not crazy heavy either. No, it's not. But the durability, and I mean, you you pretty much. But just remember, every single arrow when you shoot seventy to hundred shots, you should respine it. Yeah, you, a lot of people do not know that. that. A couple podcasts ago, we talked about that, and I'm actually remember the heavy, the heavier the arrow, the more respining you need, the refletching you need. It'll break down more. Correct. It's not the carbon breakdown. Resin. It's the resin. Yep. I think on a future podcast, I want to talk more in depth about resin and glue, and all that. All, all the stuff that goes into that because I don't think anyone ever considers any of it when they well first of all it. most people don't don't understand carbon fiber they don't understand resin and the manufacturing process all those are very technical yeah but just like you know you want to talk about people with high tensile strings steel aluminum and so on in the car you really need to know that stuff inside out before you can start it right yeah, it's maybe... like telling people well I'm gonna make some seafood seafood pasta. You start with fix. You start with fake crab legs. <laughs> 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 you 
Not Did that. You... I mean, it's still, if you don't know any better, like my, when I first met my wife, she don't know any better. She thinks those are the best. Oh, yeah. Until I bring her to Bob Chin and send her some fresh, life king crab legs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, now, is it anything is anything but perfection? Is She saw from her nose at it. I'm oh, not yeah. Maybe uh, maybe that's what we'll cover next week, unless you want to save that for when we're in person in, in Harrisburg. Well, anytime you want. I mean, it's fine. I mean, I discuss anything and everything. Because the, I think the reason I want to do part, do this podcast is based on sponta- spontaneous, what you think about. Because mm-hmm. see, if you think about it, other people would too. Oh, yeah. And I would do my best to explain the best I could. Do I know everything? No. But for the last, say, 30 years, I make so much mistake. And I know why those mistakes are made. And unlike others, with my engineering background and life ex- life experience, I'm at least give you what I believe is correct. Mm-hmm. Am I always correct? I would say at this age of my life, I'm more right than wrong. <laughs> because I make enough mistake to not make those again. <laughs> sure. Yeah, if we, maybe if we were recorded this 20 years ago, we'd be talking about something different. Oh gosh, trust me. I, I, I mean, in two thousand and seven, I was telling people, "You don't need to spine index arrow; just engineer out of it." Really? Yes, that's what I believed. I didn't because know that. through engineering, I believe I can do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I was at proof to myself: you're stupid. <laughs> because see, I figured I put inserts in it, put carbon tubing in it, and so on. Make spine not important. Yeah. Well, you couldn't. Just like, can you design a car tire so you don't have the balance? Answers, no. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I mean, you, you, I learned a lot. I mean, just like I learned about how insert behaving and so on. And then I bought the high, oh, by the, uh, high-speed cameras to learn all this. That's where I see a lot of what I believe was wrong and prove myself wrong and then uh, improve on it. Yeah. Well, anytime, I mean, for my life, I would give you a, a hint of of how I do what I did. When you find out you're wrong, it's the most exciting thing. Now you've got some way to correct it. Yeah. If you don't know you're wrong, how the hell do you begin? Yeah, true. You just go through the whole time thinking you're right. Correct. So that's the reason, I mean, uh, just like the time of Psychotron, I, at first I did not do, do not understand why Tim Ellison, my doctor, my professor, was so excited about, this is not what we thought it is. And he was just smiling all the way. <laughs> Because for him, that may be a Nobel. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, nobody knows. Now you're the first one to know. Yeah, there's something to that. Yes. That's the reason I'm, you know, with the high-speed camera, with what I discovered, and what I find out, and then find a solution to the problem. Because until you've got a problem, you can't fix it. Right. Yeah. I mean, after you've got a problem, you know, find out where it is, how it is, and then begin to fix it. And well, that's what I did for all my years. Yeah, we thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was something I can. I mean, I'm glad that academically I do have the knowledge to it and with my life experience. Otherwise, I would just push it. Yeah. And there's enough people doing that out there. Yeah, right. I don't we need don't, me. <laughs> we, we don't need any more of that. <laughs> All right, my friend. I think we just wasted another good hours talking. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, George. Um, if anyone has any questions for you or Wants to see what you got going on for 2024. Where can they find you? Well, yeah, I'm always on my I'm, my phone is next to me. I'm not going to ATA. I will be in the Pennsylvania show, just like you. So we'll yeah. be maybe doing a few podcasts there if you feel like. Yeah, maybe if there's anyone that listens to this, it's going to be 
at the Great American Outdoor Show and you want to podcast with us, let us know. We'd love to have some customers on to talk about their experiences, whether it's with the Exodus stuff or the Fire Knock stuff. Um, yeah. that'd, be, that'd be a pretty fun idea. I think it will be fun because then uh, you, that's one thing I learned in my consulting life. The absolute best knowledge you can gain is from customer actually using your stuff. And they will use things that you never believed they would. Oh, yeah. But until they do, you you can't fix what you don't know. Right. Yep. So that's the most valuable thing ever, in my personal opinion. Yep. Well, hopefully we have some takers on that. And um, we will talk to you next time, George. All right. Have a good day. You too.